Good afternoon. I'm uh, Acting Deputy Mayor John Falcicchio, and I'm uh, joined by Christy Whitfield, the Director of the Department of Small Local Business Development. Uh, we're here today to talk to you about uh, the PPP program, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, which has gotten a lot of attention uh, and has uh, left many questions open. Uh, so we wanted to uh, have this forum today because the deadline uh, for the PPP program has been extended until August 8th. Uh, so we're going to talk about the program, how to apply for the program, and hear from uh, both the Small Business Administration as well as uh, a CDFI, which is uh, currently uh, helping uh, businesses and organizations uh, navigate the process. Uh, so without further ado, I'll turn it off over to my partner, uh, Christy Whitfield, the Director of the Department of Small and Local Business Development. Uh, thank you, Deputy Mayor Falcecchio. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And we are excited to continue the conversation about the PPP and the, the reopen efforts that DEMPED and DSLBD in support of DEMPED and Mayor Bowser are happy to support. Um, you know, DSLBD continues to support the reopen efforts. And last week, we were excited to pilot a small business expo um, we had almost 200 businesses uh, log in virtually as we are working to, to you know, endeavor to continue this, this, new, this new environment to, to learn about new opportunities and to learn new ways of distance learning. Um, but, you know, the most important thing we are continuing to hear uh, from small businesses is you know, how can we make sure that we can continue and move forward? How can we access resources that are available? And of course, the most uh, relevant resource that is out there right now are the, the federal resources and the PPP is one of those resources. And so we are really excited to have one of our partners from the SBA, uh, Mr. Roderick Johnson. And so without further ado, I wanna introduce Mr. Johnson. He is a uh, a 32-year-old veteran in commercial banking with the DMV, and I think we're really excited to hear the, the latest iteration. We know the PPP was open and it was closed. Now it is open again. Um, we know our CDFIs are participating. We are excited that, um, that the WACIF is now participating, and we want to make sure that both LEDC and WACIF, you know, are... are um, we want people to know to be reaching out to our local CDFIs, but we want Mr. Johnson to tell us all the ins and outs, and then we also want to make sure that people remember to get in the queue and press zero if you have questions as you hear the important information, because we will have time at the end for some discussion. So, Roderick, thank you for being with us today, and we are really excited to hear what you can share with us about the PPP. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I'm glad to be here this afternoon to just bring you up to date on what's going on with both PPP and IDLE. Um, there is a presentation, so I hope that that's loaded and ready to go. But while we're doing that, let me just say to you that there were 12,483 um, applications from businesses in the District of Columbia that applied for PPP money and there was $2.1 billion approved for um, the businesses in Washington, D.C. So that's a fair amount of money to be putting out on the streets 
for the PPP program. Of course, we had a lot of our lenders in the city that participated in the program, and we do have Ms. Wells from City First Bank, where they did process a lot of the PPP loans. So thank you very much, Ms. Wells and your bank, City First, for doing that. And what I'd like to do now is to be able to go over um, the PPP program. Well, if you recall, back on March 27th of this year, the first iteration of the PPP program was rolled out. And with that, 75% of the money was to be used for payroll, and the other 25% was to be used for operating expenses. And we're defining operating expenses as your rent and lease payments, your business telephone, internet, gas, electric, water, and the interest on your commercial mortgage. The interest rate is at, is at 1%. This is what I like best about it. There's no personal guarantee and no collateral. There's no prepayment penalty. There was no prepayment penalty associated with this program. Now, on June 5th, the president signed into law the PPP Flexibility Act. And it gave businesses, in my opinion, a little more flexibility to use the money. So now 60, only 60% of the PPP money needs to be used toward payroll, and the other 40% can now be used for those operating expenses that I just mentioned. And now instead of having to hire back all of your employees and then use the money within an eight-week period, now with the Flexibility Act, you have up to 24 weeks or December 31st to hire your employees back and to use your money and to use up all the money. Also, the um, term has been extended from two years to five years. So that's also a great enhancement um, to the PPP program. So I think that um, with the signing of the Flexibility Act, now business owners have more time to actually disperse the money and to hire their employees back. Now let's go to the EIDL program. The EIDL program, of course, was the first program that it was actually rolled out and funded to the tune of $50 billion. If you remember, President Trump went on TV on a Wednesday night and said that he was going to ask Congress to appropriate $50 billion to help small businesses throughout the United States. Well, with the EIDL program, there was an overwhelming demand. It was 5 million applications from across the country that actually applied for the EIDL program and what we call the advanced um, grant program. The terms of that were a 30-year term. The interest rate was 2.75% for nonprofits, 3.75% for for-profit organizations, if the loan amount was under $25,000, there was no collateral um, that was needed. Over $25,000, you had to um, give collateral, which was typically a blanket lien on the business assets of the company. And of course, you had to give a personal guarantee, which meant that a credit bureau would be pulled on you as an individual. The minimum FICO score for the program was 570 which is tremendous because banks usually look for a 700 or better FICO score. So for EIDL, you just need the 570 to actually um, get um, EIDL funds. 
now as of last Saturday, the $20 billion that had been appropriated for the advance or grant was actually used up. However, you can still apply for the EIDL loan. Now, the good thing about the EIDL loan is that you don't have the same um, parameters that you have for the PPP because the PPP, 60% has to be used for payroll and 40% for those operating expenses. With EIDL, you don't have that. So you can still use the EIDL money for payroll and you can still use the EIDL money for those expenses, gas, water, electric, rent, lease payments, interest on the commercial mortgage, accounts payables, business telephone, internet, okay? And you don't have the restriction of having to use that money within a certain amount of time. Now, of course, with EIDL, you don't have the forgiveness portion of it, but you do have 30-year terms. And so the maximum amount is $150,000 that you can borrow from EIDL. And I think this program is actually more suited to the single-member LLC, the sole proprietorship, and the 1099 miscellaneous people. So between the two programs, right now you have about $100 billion left for PPP, and you probably have about $30 billion left for the EIDL program. So I encourage the businesses that have not applied for the EIDL, go on out to the sba.gov website for PPP, go ahead and apply with your local banks and receive those funds. Now, if you need assistance with applying, you have your small business development centers, you have the women business centers, you have the veterans business opportunity centers, and of course, you have the score volunteers that can assist you for free. I don't want to hear about people paying exorbitant fees. I've heard up to people paying $8,500 to apply for these programs. Well, there are resource partners out there that can assist you with applying for these loans and then also applying for the forgiveness for PPP. And as I talk about forgiveness, there are now forms out there. There are two forms for forgiveness the EZ form, which, again, I think that's the form that's very beneficial for the single-member LLCs, the sole proprietorships, and the 1099s to use and asking for forgiveness. And then if you had W-2 employees, then, of course, use the long form. What I would think is a best practice for the law for the long form is to use, is to enlist the assistance of a CPA to help you accurately figure out the calculation when doing the um, long form. And so that, um, that's all I have. And at the end, I guess we'll be taking questions on both programs. Well, Roderick, thank you for that uh, presentation. And uh, you'd mentioned that uh, PPP, so there were 12,483 uh, businesses or organizations that applied in D.C. Is that right? You said about 12, over 12,000? Yes, there's 12,483 applications from D.C. businesses, yes. And tell us, too, who is actually eligible? Because I think that's one question that we uh, sometimes have, uh, you know, from different organizations because it's not simply uh, small businesses. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, 
what I have found is the questions were really coming from nonprofit organizations who are eligible, okay? And, of course, again, your single-member LLCs, your sole proprietorships, your 1099s, and any business that fits the definition of the SBA definition of a small business. Now, to find out if your business is actually eligible, just go out to sba.gov forward slash size, but just about any business is eligible. Now, understand that you do have to show that your company has been negatively impacted by COVID-19. So the SBA may ask for your 2018 or 2019 business tax returns and then a balance sheet and income statement up through June 30 of 2020 to be able to show that you've been negatively impacted by COVID-19. Another thing that you want to do is to make sure when you are giving the account information, please give out your business checking account number and routing number, not your personal checking account, because if you give us your personal checking account number, which a number of businesses have done, then you get declined, and then you have to go back in for reconsideration, which could take three, four, another three, four, or five weeks. So make sure that you provide the SBA with your business checking account number and routing number. But generally, all businesses can apply. Oh, another exception, an exception to that, of course, are casinos and multi-level marketing um, programs. Uh, Roderick, can you say on average about how long it is taking to process applications for the uh, for the idle loans right now? There's not really an average, but I would say allow about seven seven to eight weeks because again, you had five million companies from across the U.S. actually applying um, for the idle program, and then when you think about all the businesses across the country that have applied for PPP, let's face it, the banks, and Sonia can, Sonia can speak to this, that for the PPP, that the banks were just really overwhelmed with PPP applications. Let me give you um, some statistics just on PPP for a minute. So you had four point, really it's to the exact, 4.8 million companies from across the country actually applying for PPP. You had 5,461 lenders that actually participated in the program for PPP, okay? Now, let me tell you who somebody, give you some numbers of who the top lenders who processed PPP, PPP loans were. So, of course, you had Bank of America that actually processed 335 thousand applications for $25 billion. Then you had J.P. Morgan Chase that actually processed 269,000 applications for $29 billion. And then you had Wells Fargo that actually processed 186,000 applications for $10.5 billion. So when you think about the number of applications, and when I'm looking at the smallest bank on here actually processed 21,000 applications for $4.8 billion. 
So there were just a lot of demand for PPP. And then for the idle, there was a lot of demand because that was actually over 5 million applications for that program. So when you think about the demand and the limited human resources to process those loans, that's why it, it takes a while for those loans loan requests to be processed. And I know Chrissy's going to pull in some of our other participants, but Roderick, I hope you'll stay with us because I think uh, there'll be some questions for you uh, as we go through uh, today's uh, discussion. Uh, and I just want to remind those who are listening, uh, if you have a question, uh, you could do so by pressing zero now, and that will put you in the queue to ask a question uh, of any of the panelists. But I'll turn it to Christy to pull in some other of our panelists uh, into the conversation. Well, I think next up we actually have uh, Sonia Sanders-Wells from City First Bank. Uh, thank you for being with us today, Sonia. And, um, thank you. And thank I think you for having me. And and one of our uh, one of our great local banks, one of our great local lenders, and I apologize for not recognizing you as one of our great uh, helpers in helping get some of these resources out. And so I think you're going to talk about your uh, you know city first city first um, you know perspective of uh, helping to disperse some of these uh, some of these PPP loans and uh, the experience that City First has had with this resource, right? Yeah. So uh, obviously, as Rod pointed out, this PPP process was uh, has been grueling, not only for small businesses and not-for-profits across the country, but you know the bankers uh, have definitely experienced uh, a lot of agita behind it. But we knew that we were getting what we were doing was really, really important work, and getting funds out to small businesses and not-for-profits that really were in desperate need during some very, very difficult and trying times. So um, we spent a lot of time helping people through the PPP process, helping them understand uh, the type of paperwork that was needed, what they needed to provide, uh, because it wasn't clear. A lot of, you know, and some um, folks thought, all I have to do is fill out this application and it's just gonna be simple. And um, while that was somewhat some of the case, uh, oftentimes uh, there was a lot of misinformation around who could apply, who couldn't apply. The rules were changing on a continual basis, and we really were doing our best to try and stay on top of all of that and make sure that we could provide the information that the small businesses, not-for-profits, churches, that everybody was looking for and to try and understand how to navigate the process, how to, you know, what paperwork did they need, you know, am I eligible, you know, if I'm eligible, what type of paperwork do I need to provide in order to get the funding? Um, there was, you know, um, a little misunderstanding around what the application shows in terms of filling it out in comparison to, you know, what we had to do to calculate uh, to get to the number. Uh, there were, you know, requirements that we were obligated to follow that weren't quite as obvious. So I'm sure Rod got lots of questions. I know I called him several times saying, okay, so it says this, we're doing this, other folks are not doing this. So, you know, there was probably a lot of misinformation out there as well. Uh, and so small businesses, I'm sure, in addition to being traumatized with what was going on and trying to stay afloat and trying to keep their employees employed, now, really trying to understand the PPP process, so we took a lot of time to really help them understand that, to counsel and say, you know, if you have, you know, if you're this type of an entity, this is what you need to do. Uh, sometimes we would get on the phone with the underwriter, 
uh, with myself, uh, with a small business owner to try and walk them through the process and understand what we were looking at and help them understand what, you know, what was needed to kind of get through the process. So, um, and the, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. No, no. I mean. So, how many? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how many? Uh, how many PPPs did did City First have you processed to date? Uh, I would say. I mean, we're certainly not up in those in, in those uh, hundreds of thousands the way uh, the big boys are. We're we're, we're small. Uh, but I would say uh, we've probably dispersed about 32 million in um, in funds out to small businesses in the District of Columbia, and uh, they've been anywhere from a thousand up to 10 million uh, that we've uh, dispersed. So, uh, and we are still fielding and still getting applications coming through, not nearly as much as we were in the very beginning. I know that um, my team and the credit team, we were working 24-7, um, you know, uh, in April and into May. So um, because we just weren't sure, obviously, that first round, you know, ran out of money. Um, and then, you know, the second round obviously has continued on. But even still, people were very, you know, we never stopped processing the entire time. And are you still uh, processing uh, loans at this point? Are you still taking applications? We are still taking applications. And can you give us your cell and email address, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, that's, that's in a secret vault. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, and I think there is a lot of uh, appetite still for businesses, and that's why we wanted to have the conversation today, was to make sure that they knew that there were still opportunities uh, to mm -hmm. apply and have them processed. To hear it from you is uh, even better than hearing it from uh, myself and Christy in many ways. So we want to thank you for joining. And uh, the other question, or the other reflection, I guess, is just that, um, you know, when you think about, you said $32 million processed or mm -hmm. 33 million? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in context, uh, district government put out a microgram program. Uh, and yes. really the aid that went to uh, small businesses and organizations mm -hmm. was, and independent contractors as well, was about $28 million uh, that went out mm -hmm. the door. So to think about uh, what City First has done, it's, uh, you know, nothing to balk at because it is uh, really impactful to think that $32 million went through your institution. Uh, so we just want to thank you for that work, first off. Um, thank and then you. I think, what, can I ask this too, like what were the common uh, issues that uh, businesses had in terms of getting ready for um, their application? Um, or were there kind of tough spots in the application that really tripped people up? I don't think, um, I think the biggest piece was uh, thinking that all they had to do was fill out that, you know, two, three-page application, uh, not understanding that they needed to provide payroll verification, um, and um, understanding that they needed to um, have, you know, the CARES report, a lot of the payroll providers, ADP, uh, paychecks, you know, they had done uh, specific um, reports for the PPP, and so those were very helpful. So, but oftentimes uh, the client may not have had those, so, you know, pulling together all of the payroll documentation that was required, um, and that's going to be required uh, on the forgiveness piece, uh, was a little bit um, 
disconcerting, I think, for some folks and not really understanding that, you know, it wasn't just the application. I think that was probably the biggest challenge. And um, the other piece was making sure that they had their um, formation documentation. You'd be surprised at the number of small businesses that, you know, once they do that, um, they forget uh, where they are. And that was something that's important, uh, particularly for a bank. We have to have those formation docs. We had to um, make sure that, you know, from a bank, you know, a regulated bank, uh, the certification of beneficial owner or some of the forms and folks were like, well, how do you fill this thing out? So, you know, we spent a lot of time counseling folks through all the documentation process that was necessary. Absolutely. And um, I think one of the great advantages of this uh, program is the forgiveness aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have a sense, and not to hold you to this, but how many of the uh, folks who went through City First uh, will really look towards a route to full forgiveness. Well, it's funny. The forgiveness process has been almost as popular as the PPP funds. Uh, so we are fielding questions every single day about uh, the process and, you know, what does that look like and what do they have to provide. So that documentation, you know, and that's the one thing that concerns me with uh, some of the fintech providers is that, you know, uh, they were taking basically the uh, the PPP application and that was it. They weren't necessarily looking at the CARES reports and all of that information that, um, that SBA had on their checklist. And so my concern is that, you know, on the, on the outside, you know, uh, when they have to pull together that documentation uh, for forgiveness, uh, that they're going to be, um, that they won't be prepared. So um, that's part of what we have been doing to help customers understand we are going to have a, an automated process that we will be utilizing uh, to help us with uh, the forgiveness piece because we recognize how important that is. And I would say, um, you know, we probably are going to at least 80 or 90 percent of our clients, I think, will, you know, will be able to, um, you know, be, you know, where the funds will be able to be forgiven and um, they'll come back through the bank and they won't have to enter into the loan. But even if they're small portions, but this thing is with the, um, the changes that were recently made, um, you know, with the CARES, I mean, with the uh, PPP uh, program, I think that instead of two years, it's now five years, obviously 1%, where do you find such cheap money? So even if they have to uh, enter into a loan, uh, I think they're very favorable terms, and hopefully there won't be that many of those. And I know uh, Christy's going to draw in a couple uh, more of our panelists, some small business owners, uh, but really I think that that uh, sense of the forgiveness and the tip that you gave about uh, documentation both on the front end uh, and on the back end, uh, I think that's so important and we'll keep emphasizing that. Uh, so really good uh, advice uh, on that front. Great. Thank you. So I, I think the Deputy Mayor hit on this. One of the one of the reasons that we wanted to have these conversations is because it's one thing for governments to try to advertise these resources, but a lot of times these things feel inaccessible. And so having conversations with people that are administering these loans, having conversations with people who have been through the process of getting these loans can sometimes demystify this. And so we've invited um, two business owners who have actually been through the process, and I want to um, first, uh, invite, and forgive me, sir, if I get this wrong, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, Saad Jabali Nash, is that how'd I do? 
You did. You did well. It's Saud, actually, but yeah, that was, that was Saud, real close. All right, Saud. All right, sir. Uh, uh, Saud Jabali Nash, and you're the principal and you're the recipient of a PPE from City First Bank. Um, so you are a design build contractor, and I think you're out on Good Hope Road, right? And I and yes, you uh, and you got a you got a PP you got a PPP loan. So would you tell us a little bit about your company, and then um, how was your process of getting the PPP? Why did you decide to go for it? And then uh, and how how did the process work for you? Yes. So first off, I want to thank the Ben. Dimpad team, Simbongali and Stephanie for inviting me to this call to share my story, my experience. Um, so I'm the president of AGP Construction and one of the principals of AGP Development. So we are a government contractor, general contractor, specializing in local and federal government contracts. So the company was started in 1997 by my father, Stephen Nash, and we started out as a local uh, residential Remodeler, and then when I changed, we changed ownership in 2010. I pivoted and became more focused on local and federal government contracting, specifically as a subcontractor to local, larger general contractors. So now we are 8A and Hub Zone certified. So now we're in a prime position to provide uh, capacity building to other smaller contractors that have grown with us during the process. So in terms of the PPP process, the first thing we did was we tracked it because we initially applied for the EDO loan initially. And we knew throughout hearing about the news that the PPP was coming up. So we tracked it, and we were, like, basically on it. Prior to it coming out, we reached out to people that had relationships because I wanted to go with a smaller institution, a smaller bank, somebody that I could pick up the phone and call, and that was uh, Sanja because she actually helped us. Uh, gained financing and basically purchased our building last year that we've been renting it for two years. So I reached out to her, and she gave me the information, and basically it was a seamless process. So when it came out, we were one of the recipients during, during that first week when the funds ran out. We were able to secure our financing through grinding it out because there was a lot of paperwork. We basically grinded it out, got the paperwork done, and Sanja uh, helped us, walked us through the whole process, and their technology platform was really great where you were able to download uh, all the documents to this online portal and, you know, get the funds. So it was really a seamless process. Um, and we applied for the PVP based on one of our larger federal contract stopping. So we were renovating, we're currently renovating the fifth floor of the Department of Education, 60,000 square foot interior fit out. And that job, shut down uh, for about close to two months. So we applied for that prior to that happening, but by us getting the PVP, it, it filled that gap, that funding gap. So we weren't able to build for close to two months. So that was a huge thing for us to keep uh, cash flow coming in to meet our financial obligations. So that was our main uh, focus for applying for all the money that we could to provide a stopgap for any funding issues due to uh, COVID-19 stopping the process of jobs. So, so let me ask you this: Did you so you applied for both, or you did you did you get both, or you got the? I'm sorry, I, um, yeah, we we got both. So we so we applied for the the Edo first. Edo took about 
it took about two months to get a response back, and once I signed a loan document, it took about seven to ten days to get funded. So that whole process was about two and a half months for the EDO. It might have been three months. But, yeah, we applied for both. So we applied for EDO first, then we tracked PPP, applied for PPP, and, and got that money as well. So from a business owner perspective, what advice would you have for other business owners if they're thinking about going for this? What I would say is be ready. Be prepared for the documentation you're going to have to provide, your 940s, your tax returns, your internal financials, and you have to have either yourself or some type of, you know, support around you in order to, like, grind through and get all the paperwork done. I mean, it's a lot in terms of, you know, getting it done, but the focus was to get it in to, you know, take advantage of this opportunity. But I would say be ready. Have your all your financial documents in order. A lot of small businesses like myself, you know, seven to eight years ago, our financials were all over the place. So, you know, through growing our capacity, we were able to hire uh, competent CPAs that knew what they were doing. So a lot of people don't have access to that or can't afford it. So the, the main thing to me is just be prepared because if you don't have the documentation to provide a financial institution, you're not going to get the funds. And that was the the biggest takeaway for me because we, we were prepared. And let me just uh, underscore something that Roderick had said. You know, the SBDCs have a lot of resources out there. DSLBD is also here to help. You know, our PTAC team has been on the ready, really pitching in to help people prepare applications. Um, so if you're out there and you're considering applying for some of these resources and 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 to Sonia and to Saud's point, it can be a little bit daunting as you're preparing your application and you're putting these things together. Don't let that stop you. Just know that there are resources. Please don't pay other people to, you know, you know, to put these you know, things together. You know, call the SBDC, call DSLBD 727-3900, hit option seven. Know that there is support out there to help you put these things together. Um, because we want to make sure that people are able to access these resources and um, and put them together, you know, and that those that help is free. There's help out there, and that help is free. Um, um, I, I think we have another business owner, but I'm not sure if we're ready to bring him in. Seth, Seth or oh, okay, right. so we have uh, we have Seth Seth, Seth from uh, from Red Coke Kebab. Seth, I uh, can you can you yes, see I can us? Hear you. Okay, I can hear you. okay, great. Hi, Seth. I'm to, uh, to, to connect you in with us. So Seth is a recipient of a PPP from the Latino Amer Economic Development Corporation who has been with us on previous uh, DIRT calls. Um, Seth, tell us a little bit about your um, restaurants. I know you do uh, dining and takeout here in D.C. And um, tell us about your business and your, your process of getting the PPP. Hi, everyone. Um, uh, we started this business 10 years ago, um, shortly after the uh, economic, you know, the, the financial crisis. And it has been quite, uh, quite the journey. Uh, but definitely nothing as challenging as what just happened in the past four or five months. Um, we tried to, we looked into everything that was available to us. Uh, we worked very closely with um, Shaw Main Street with uh, Alex Padro, who was extremely helpful to us. 
unfortunately, he was not able to help us, but he directed us to um, to Latino Economic Development Center. And they were extremely helpful. They uh, they pulled miracles for a small business like us. We uh, we did not have our you know, as Saud was saying, that you have to have all your, you know, your, your your documents ready. You have to have all your ducks in a row in order to be able to access some of the funds. But the economic development, uh, the Latino Economic Development Center, was extremely helpful to us. They worked with us pretty much even at 10 o'clock in the evening, trying to get us to uh, provide what we need. They helped us fill out some of the applications, and we finally got some. It's it's not enough for a small business like us, but it was enough to um, get us through the you know the first couple of weeks. Um, we managed to we adjusted our hours unfortunately, but we managed to keep and actually hire one two more people to deal with the um, you know it's 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 a small operation, but we needed additional hands in order to be able to to meet the need. Um, can tell you it's 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 uh, there is. Uh, myself and all of the friends that I have spoken with, we are in deep trouble. And let's hope that um, the damage would not be as bad as it, as, as some of us are, are, are uh, fearing. Um, I also got a, uh, a loan from the uh, the idle loan. I just it's um, again not enough. And I have a couple of questions for the for for for, for, for those who know. Um, so if one got the uh, PPP and it was not enough or it was not reflective of all that was saved, um, and we reapply, same with uh, the idol. If the, if the amount uh, awarded was not enough, can we reapply? For me, those are the two main questions that I would love to have an answer for. Uh, Roderick, do you want to take that? Roderick may be having a little bit of trouble reconnecting. Uh, I'm not sure if you're connecting on your phone. Roderick, can you hear us? Um, yeah, I'm on my phone. I can't really hear that well. Okay. Uh, so the question was if uh, uh, an applicant and actually a recipient of the programs that we're discussing today, if they applied early on uh, and they feel like their loan amount wasn't enough, are they able to reapply? Is there any reapplication uh, for someone who is successful at navigating these two programs? All right. Under idle, you can do a reconsideration, but you're going to have to provide the tax returns and the appropriate interim financial statements. For PPP, I think that's going to be a little more difficult to do because the lender has already um, calculated what your loan amount should be, and so it's going to be a little, it's going to be more of a challenge to go back to them and ask for more money. The other thing is you can only have one PPP loan. So what you get, you're going to have to manage well. That's helpful. I want to also pull in, we have some callers who uh, had uh, questions at least. Uh, we'll go to Carl. Uh, Carl in uh, Ward 1, can you hear us? 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is sort of a follow-up to the last question, which is that on the um, PPP application, uh, you were you're able to roll up your EIDL, not the advance, not the forgivable advance, but the bulk of the EIDL into your PPP. This is very advantageous for anybody who got in early and got their EIDL first and then could roll that up into a fully forgivable PPP. Most of us, like some of the other callers who've also spoken on this call, including my own company, got the EIDL after. And the truth is we we, we need our PPP to be larger because it, it doesn't really cover payroll. The way it was calculated um, wasn't very advantageous to our actual needs. And we wish we could, but when we applied for the PPP, we didn't have our EIDL yet. So I'd like to know the SBA's position on, um, it seems there's a huge disadvantage for those of us who got the EIDL after and cannot roll that up into a fully forgivable PPP if we could use it all for payroll. And is there a mechanism coming down the road that might address that? Because again, if you got the EIDL first, on the PPP application, you could roll it up into a fully forgivable thing. Whereas those of us who got it after, just because we were, you know, are at a huge disadvantage because yeah, we got both, but only the PPP is forgivable. And truthfully, we could use the entirety of both amounts for payroll if we could. All right, I'm gonna answer the question this way. Both programs were put together for you to sustain your business. So let's take IDLE first. So IDLE is giving you 30-year terms to actually repay that money. If you're used to having a commercial lending relationship with a bank, you normally don't get 30 years to repay commercial money. Now, Congress is taking a look at the question that you've asked in terms of being able to get more PPP money and then potentially being able to use that to pay off your idol. Now here's the, here is the little nuance about that. So if you were able to get enough PPP money to pay off idol, you were supposed to use that PPP money to pay off the operating expenses of the idol. So you could use the PPP money and also use the idol for payroll so you had to use the PPP for payroll, use the idle money for operating expenses, use some of that PPP money to pay off the idle, and then you could have a totally forgivable loan, okay? So that's the little nuance that people really should know about. Now, Congress is taking a look at, you know, another round of PPP money, but as of right now today, um, you know, you are where you are. So if you have idle money, then you have the 30-year terms to repay. And then if you have the PPP, then, of course, you have to have the good documentation in order to turn that into a forgivable loan. But again, I'll say to you, and I've been in this business for a long time, over 30 years, you don't get 30-year terms to repay commercial money at 3.75%, okay? if you're a for-profit organization or 2.75% as a nonprofit. And the way that I would look at this is if I have PPP money and idle money to sustain my business, then that's the way that I would actually look at this and, and not worry about whether or not the idle money can become an actual grant. Because really the name of the game 
is to be able to sustain your business during COVID-19. So whether it's in the form of a grant or a forgivable loan or a loan that has 30-year terms, that would seem to be more important to me than whether or not it's a, I can use PPP money to pay off the idle and have a totally forgivable loan. Well, Roderick, thank you. And we'll continue to monitor Congress uh, because we know that they're in session now. Uh, one of the other issues that we have uh, before Congress uh, is in the CARES Act. Uh, the district was granted uh, $495 million as a territory, uh, but for every other uh, phase of uh, response, uh, we're treated as a state. Uh, and so one of the uh, issues that Mayor Bowser keeps bringing attention to is that the district should be made whole uh, for $755 million uh, that it was shortchanged in the CARES Act. So as we watch Congress to see what support uh, they'll make for small business, uh, we're also keenly aware that we need to see some changes uh, that districts shouldn't be treated as a territory, uh, but as a state, um, like it is in every other aspect of the response. Uh, and I mention that because it also is germane to this conversation because uh, the council passed uh, legislation that would allow for another grant program uh, up to $100 million. And we know that that uh, grant program uh, can only be funded if it's funded uh, by federal dollars uh, that we expect or that we hope will come through the CARES Act uh, funding that we were shortchanged. So a uh, bit of a, a pitch for those uh, listening to make sure that you speak to anyone that you know that works in the halls of Congress, whether it's on the House side or the Senate side, uh, or regardless of party, uh, the district should be made whole uh, for what it was shortchanged in the CARES Act. Uh, so with that public service announcement uh, aside, I want to go to Denise. Uh, Denise in Ward 5 has a, a question for uh, Roderick uh, uh, about SBA loans and personal guarantees. Uh, Denise, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a question. I was told that the EIDL loan, which I did get, did not require a personal guarantee because it was less than $200,000. Is that not the case? I've looked online and there's conflicting information. Denise Roderick's going to help us with that one. Typically, from my understanding, it's been if it was over $25,000, then it needed a personal guarantee as well as collateral. All right, great. And for questions about um, the uh, different programs and the requirements and the guarantees, what's the best website for people to uh, go to, Roderick? Well, you can go to the Treasury Department website, or you can go to sba.gov, which actually has two sections. One is what I call the frequently asked questions for both PPP and EIDL. And then there's the interim financial ruling document that actually governs um, both loan programs. sba.gov or the Treasury Department website. Great. And uh, there's another question that we got from social media. Uh, Roderick, I'm going to actually, uh, I'm actually going to take this one, believe it or not. Uh, and it's about uh, phase three uh, in reopening uh, and when we can see that starting. Uh, so tomorrow the mayor is going to actually give an update in this uh, very room about uh, where we are in terms of our public health response effort. Uh, and in that, we're going to be reiterating a lot of the uh, uh, social distancing, uh, 
the personal hygiene and the infection control measures uh, that really are going to be important for us to, uh, to flatten the curve. Uh, what we see, unfortunately, in the district is that uh, our numbers are starting to creep up again, uh, and that's of great concern to us. Uh, and so we're uh, working with, of course, the guidance of the Department of Health, uh, recommendations uh, from the CDC to ensure that our numbers start going back in the right direction. Uh, so at this point, we're still in phase two, uh, and in terms of getting to phase three, uh, our indicators, which are all listed on coronavirus.dc.gov uh, on the data section, uh, are not heading in the right direction at this point, uh, but we're uh, going to talk about tomorrow is a little bit more about what we need to see in terms of uh, what our residents and what our businesses can do their part uh, in order to make sure that we do uh, flatten the curve. Uh, and so, uh, Chrissy, I think we have another question uh, that came up um, uh, this time. It's another social media question, uh, so I'm going to do my best to read it here. I uh, for Sonia. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. put on my, my advertisement for the 51st state, but it says, uh, for Sonia, what would you recommend for someone uh, have uh, Oh, getting ready before they come to you. Oh, getting ready before you come, yeah. before they so come to you. Before we all rush to uh, your website or to call the <laughs> bank, uh, what should we know? Um, and actually, let's start with uh, from the banker's perspective, and then let's start from mm -hmm. the small business perspective. Okay. So from a banker's perspective, I mean, we do have uh, an SBA PPP checklist. And um, so, and I believe that is on our website. If not, I will make sure Gloria has it on the website. And that way you'll know what to come to us. But the most important thing is obviously the PPP application. If you do have a payroll provider, uh, I would definitely reach out to them, and they should have slowed down now uh, with a, an ask for a CARES report. That CARES report makes things so much simpler for both the bank and for you in terms of pulling together all of that information. Otherwise, you've got to have your 940s and you know all of your payroll, um, your quarterly payroll reports that you send to uh, that you file on a quarterly basis. So uh, that CARES report should capture everything. So I would ask for that specifically. Uh, and that makes it easier for everybody uh, concerned. Um, but to Saud's point earlier, it's really important uh, to have to be organized with your documentation. You never know what's going to be asked, and I can assure you that if it's not asked for at the very beginning, most likely it'll be asked for in the forgiveness. So why not get it together now, and then that way you're prepared. Uh, really good advice, and um, I will make sure that I follow up with Gloria to make sure that we have that checklist too, uh, and we'll put it out on our social too, just so folks have an example of what to look for uh, before going to a lender. So um, I'm glad we always operate on checklists. Uh, Mayor Bowser is a big fan of checklists, uh, mm -hmm. so that is a good way for us to approach it. Uh, Steph, do you want to talk about what you got uh, together before going to uh, your lender as well? Yes. Um... I was probably uh, the poster child for not organized at all. And thanks to uh, the Latino Economic Development Center, we actually were able to uh, get things at the last minute, you know, straightened out. Um, my accounting firm was not doing its, its part, and that refle was reflected in the amount that I got for the PPP. 
uh, in hindsight, I should have been a little more vigilant as to what I was doing and what people I hired and paid were doing. So you definitely have to have your, you know, profit and loss done pre, you know, regularly. You have to have your um, payroll done professionally. There is no company checks, no 1099s of any kind because that's a loss, you know. The the argument we got back is that if you have a 1099, they're not your employees. They're they they're independent contractors. When you have a small business, you really are looking for for labor, and especially if it's a specialized kitchen, uh, you're not you're not going to get somebody who has been trained by McDonald's to work for you. You have to have somebody who is, and they generally are not easy to come by. So you actually have to work with them in order to to keep your business running and sometimes that involves giving company checks luckily it's not cash it's traceable but it doesn't help with these you know with these loans that to me was my my learning uh, experience in this unfortunately at a at a huge cost um uh, i think it's paying your taxes on time is another thing. Doing your paperwork on time is another thing. Anything you do, staying in business is fine, but also you have to be ready for any type of audit. This time it was a good audit because we were getting some help, but it doesn't hurt to um, to do things right. And also know your know the folks who are there to help you. Like for us in Shaw Main Street and Alex Padro, for, for example, was a lifeline that we could, you know, we could not have asked for better. And as I mentioned earlier, the Latino Economic Development Center, another uh, source for anyone who needs help. They're there for you. They're there to do. You know, basically they go out and do what need, must be done in order to help you out. So. And you know, Mr. Like, Nelson, we uh, know that this is a stressful time for. Uh, everyone, including uh, business owners who have a payroll to meet. So how do you stay encouraged uh, at this time uh, with so much uh, stress and uh, so many demands on your time and, and really stretching resources? So how do you approach uh, can, it being encouraged? I, I have a an old friend of mine who has been in business since he was 15, and I called to complain and ask for advice. And he said, if you want to look at this the proper way is to look at it as this is service to the community. Don't look at it as a profit, a profitable business. And that changes the perspective. For me, it is not just for the community. It is, of course, for my family, that's for certain. But also the employees that I have, and most of whom are actually people like myself that came from a different country. I would say 80% of my staff is from outside the country people that need every single penny in order to actually meet their obligations and not get into, you know, financial ruins just because they, you know, they're me not doing my work, not doing all I can in order to survive. So because that, you know, business, you know, fell off, I, I was faced with the open or close. Closing would have been better. On a personal level, my wife works for Martha's Table. And they gave them time to go, you know, basically not to be to work remotely. I asked her to go to her parents for three months, actually three and a half months. She was living at her parents. I'm living at, you know, at home just to avoid infect, getting her infected if I ever, you know, if I got, you know, God forbid, infected. So those are the 
the things that we all have to do as small businesses in order to not only make money, but also help those who are with us, those who have helped us get to the point where we are. And for me, those are my employees. So I'm trying to do all I can in order to keep them. Absolutely. And Mr. Jabali Nash? Yeah, I want to echo the sentiments of Seth. I mean, when you're uh, an important part of somebody's life, like you're not only employing your employees, you're responsible for people and, like, in families. Like, we have a really low turnover rate here at HEP. We consider ourselves family members, and uh, it's just an obligation to just keep pushing. I mean, I'm blessed to have a father learning the work ethic from him, you know, working with him in yeah. high school and college, and I just – there was just no other alternative just to push through and grind through because you have so many people depending on you, um, you know. So that that was my motivation to keep keep pushing because, you know, if you start to falter from the top, everybody else is going to follow. So you got to kind of try to stay strong and, and keep and keep pushing to uh, have everybody stay motivated and focused on, you know, uh, the job at hand. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times we're referred to as uh, the District of Champions. I know Mayor Bowser has taken that and said we're also going to be the District of Comeback. Uh, and that's not just our city's comeback, but uh, really each individual business who stepped up and uh, really kind of made it their mission to make it through this tough time. Uh, it's each of those individual comeback stories is really impressive. And so we want to thank you for being on uh, and sharing your stories. Uh, it's really insightful. And uh, just to close this out, if we could just hear from Roderick, to any parting advice, and then we'll go to Ms. Wells as well. Okay. Actually, I'm encouraging all the businesses out there that have not taken advantage of the federal programs, whether it's IDLE or PPP, to please go ahead and apply. As you probably have already heard, the PPP program will actually end on August 8th. And although we know that Congress is having further discussions about having rolling out another PPP, as of today, right now, it ends August 8th. So please, please apply. And there are enough resource partners out there that can help you with that application process. The same with IDLE. Please apply. Um, I really want the businesses in the District of Columbia to get the federal resources out there to sustain their businesses during COVID-19. So please apply. I, I implore you to please apply for both programs. And Roderick, we just have to emphasize that again. From our perspective, uh, really these federal programs are going to be a lifeline uh, that it's going to be hard for us to match. Uh, you know, even if we are uh, uh, allotted the extra $755 million that were shortchanged in the CARES Act, um, to think that uh, $2.1 uh, and PPP alone has been uh, loaned out to district businesses, uh, of which many of which, or most of which, hopefully, uh, will be forgiven. It pales our, it makes our grant programs pale in comparison, uh, because even if we are given the 755 million, we'll be able to probably up our business support uh, by another 100 million, uh, bringing our total to about 128 million dollars. But to think that there's still a hundred. Uh, uh, million still on the table, uh, or that there's even more of that uh, that people can go out uh, in PPP and get before August 8th. Uh, we really got to stress uh, that people have to uh, do what 
uh, the business owners talked about it today, which is leave uh, every stone and overturn every stone to see if there's an opportunity uh, for you and your business. So, Ms. Wells, will you close this out uh, with uh, kind of your observation as well? Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, first off, uh, I echo what everyone is saying is that if you need the dollars, please apply. I know it may be somewhat of a daunting process, but what I would recommend is that you do have organizations like City First Bank. You have organizations like LEDC, and they, these organizations are there, and our financial institutions as CDFIs are there to really help you navigate the process. And I know that sometimes uh, your bigger banks or your uh, even the fintechs are not really set up to provide guidance and support. But remember that you know a smaller bank, a smaller community bank, will take the time with you to help you understand the process, mm -hmm. uh, to make mm -hmm. sure that you can maximize the dollars that you are able to receive, and uh, it makes a difference. Uh, so. Um, you know, even if you want a relationship with a larger bank, it's okay to have that, but you also want to make sure that you have a relationship with a community bank, a black-owned bank, a CDFI. Those are organizations that are really more geared towards helping their client base and helping small businesses and helping the organizations that really need help. And they sit down and they provide and give you that one-on-one -on -one service. And Chris, you really to really close this out this time. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to share that number again so that people can call? Because I know there will still be questions, or folks might think of questions uh, sure. later tonight. Uh, if they want to uh, reach your office, how do they do that? Sure, Deputy Mayor. Um, DSLVD, uh, can, you can find us at dslvd.dc.gov. You can call us at 727-3900. We have our Build Back Better series. We have a lot of resources. We're here to help you. Um, in whatever way we can. We don't have all the answers, but we want to help you find whatever answers fit you and your business, and we will, we will try and connect you with the best answers that we can. So 727-3900, and we are here to help you figure it out. So call us, and we are here for you. Absolutely, and thanks, Chrissy, for that, and I want to thank all of our panelists, uh, really, for your assistance today, but also for sharing your stories uh, about how to navigate uh, these programs. Uh, and so, as always, I want to remind folks that we have a lot of information uh, for businesses and organizations that are interested in these programs. Uh, if you go to coronavirus.dc.gov, look for the resources page, uh, and the resources page is where we list uh, all of the information that we talked about today, uh, including uh, contact information for the uh, uh, our DEMPED team, uh, and the Department of Small and Local Business Development. Uh, so we'll make sure all that information is there. Uh, and uh, coming soon will be the City First uh, PPP checklist uh, so that really you could think about how you might take advantage of the PPP program before it expires uh, on August 8th. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And again, coronavirus.dc.gov for all the latest information. Have a great day and continue to be safe. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.